Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, how's everyone doing out there today? Welcome to episode 208 of Girl Next Door. My name's Renee. For those of you that perhaps are joining for the first time, I'm really glad that you're here and that you found this podcast. I'm going to get straight into it today because we've got a lot to cover, but I want to talk about why religion is good for everyone. Okay, I'm going to give you six really good reasons, guys. Now, of course, when I say the word religion, I'm not just talking any religion. I'm specifically talking about um, a belief in God. Okay, so let's just um, make sure that we're clear on that one. But I really want to present that case today of even even people who you know are atheists. Um, by the end of today, you should send this to people who maybe don't believe in God um, or in the existence of a God, um, that I want to make the case that religion is actually of benefit. So the progressive left clearly has a lot of contempt for religious people, especially evangelicals, because we represent literally the complete opposite and everything that the progressives loathe. So our values are in the greatest competitions to theirs, okay? So if they're progressive, then, you know, if they're if, if we look at it on a spectrum, for example, the progressives are on one end of the spectrum, progressive left, and conservative are on the other end of the spectrum. Mind you, and this is for another episode, I just thought of something. I think increasingly, progressive ideologies are coming into conservative, um, previously conservative traditions, but that's for another podcast. But today I'm making the case that everyone needs religion and it's hands down the best way to live. In fact, you don't even have to believe in God to acknowledge that religion is good for society and therefore good for everyone for so many different reasons, which I'm going to unpack today. Now, I've been thinking a lot about this because, as you guys know, Cameron and I have been the National Youth Alive Directors for quite a while, and also we run Queensland. And one of the main things that we do in Youth Alive is we have evangelistic events, and they're actually happening across Australia at the time of recording this podcast. Um, And these events have been happening for the past 40 years. Now, this weekend coming... um, We've got our Queensland event called Wonderworld, but so far it's happened in uh, South Australia, have just had a stadium event in Victoria. Now, it's been a typical practice for the past 40 years in Youth Alive and in churches to be unapologetic about the gospel and to give a what we call a salvation appeal at the end of our events. But now with pastors and churches being cancelled left, right and centre, people are starting to get nervous about making an appeal for salvation. And even with some stuff that's been happening in Christian schools, even in Christian schools, it's like people are getting more and more nervous to actually be um, vocal and stand up for what they believe. So 
recently and, and increasingly, I guess, over the past few years, we've had people tell us that our events should just be you know, drug and alcohol-free entertainment events and that the preaching of the gospel and salvation should be left to the youth groups. Um, now, there's lots of reasons why, you know, that there there could be issues with that, which I don't want to go into today. But I know the reason for this is people are really becoming worried about being cancelled or being accused of brainwashing young people or worried about people throwing shade on their reputation if they're seen to be pushing religion. Now, Cameron and I thought about that as we've had these stadium events come up and we've decided, no, we're not going to back down. And it really got me thinking about why it is that we're happy to, to go hardcore and present the gospel to a young generation and why if we were challenged we would happily front up to any person any media any journalist and confidently say that we should be presenting the gospel to not only every young person um, but really just to everyone in general and so we for one will not be bullied into silence and we won't be watered down for fear of pushback because I'm convinced we're convinced Um, that religion, and of course, like I said, for me, that's Christianity, but we're talking a belief in God, is good for people and good for society and is the best way to live. And the arguments for this are so strong that I would say even parents who aren't religious or even who are atheists won't be able to deny that religion actually just has too many benefits. Now, you guys might remember me telling you during COVID lockdowns, uh, well, they were semi-lockdowns at the time, that we had a nighttime youth live event. We had one on the Gold Coast and one in Brisbane. And the one on the Gold Coast, it probably had about 1,200 young people at it. And um, we, you know, we adhered to all the COVID practices that were expected. We provided masks. Um, I think at the time there was meant to be no dancing. Um, but when the young people heard the first praise song, they came running down the front. Now, most of the young people weren't wearing masks, um, which, by the way, The reason was they'd been at school together for that whole day and they don't have, at that stage, weren't wearing them at school. So it didn't make sense for them to be wearing them. We provided them, but we we didn't have to force people to do that. And anyway, they started moshing and dancing, which of course dancing was banned. Now, Cameron decided, you know what, we'll let them finish that one song. And then he stopped and he sent everyone back. However, this journalist that thought he was such a hero from a certain channel, saw our Instagrams. Not only did he do an article on us, um, but he, and asked us for a statement, he actually dobbed us into the police. Can you believe that? Now, just remember, this is at a time, by the way, when about 30,000 people were allowed at the Suncorp for sporting events, but, you know, because they were safe, of course, because they were sitting, they weren't standing and dancing because apparently you could catch COVID from dancing. You know, all those silly rules that we had, or the, not silly rules, they were rules that just didn't make sense when you were allowed to do it in one venue and then not another. So the next night we ran that same event in Brisbane and the Bureau of Investigation came out to check on what we were doing because this journalist had dobbed on us. So we gave them um, the investigative, investigative police. We gave them a full run through. We told them what had happened the night before, how the young people came running down for the first song. Yes, they were dancing. Um, 
you know, we were just honest with them. We stopped them after that song, sent them back. We provided masks. They didn't want to wear the mask, et cetera, et cetera. And we showed them our processes and talked them through everything. And do you know what? Do you know what they turned around and said to us? They were amazing. They actually thanked us. And do you know why they thanked us? Firstly, they're like, you guys aren't doing anything wrong. because, uh, And they thanked us because they were clearly reasonable human beings. Um, but they could see that we were helping young people. And at a time when young people's anxiety was going through the roof due to isolation and fear and lockdowns, we were doing the very thing that young people needed, which was they needed each other. They needed a place to belong. They needed human contact. They needed a place where they could be together and not be isolated. And we were offering hope and purpose. So not only did they not stop us from the event, they encouraged us and said that they would even come and help us, which was amazing. So let me give you six reasons with including, I want to give you some hard data um, backed up by great research on why religion is good. I'm going to specifically talk about young people, but you can use this for anyone. Okay. So the first reason why religion is really good for young people and is of great benefit is because number one, religion historically has proven to be good for society. Okay. Let's say that again. Historically, religion has always proven to be good for society. The further a society has moved away from religious beliefs and practices, the worse that society has gotten and the unhappier the people have become. I mean, just a hundred or so years ago, whether you believed in the Bible or not, even more than a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, societies were built on biblical values. I've got a whole book that I'm reading at the moment on how the whole of Australia was built on biblical values, even if the people building the society were not Christians. And this is what I'm talking about, building our lives according to religious values, even if you don't believe in God. It's good for everyone. Religion provided a moral compass to build a society on. So things like you know, um, not getting drunk. And um, years ago, it was, uh, you know, sex was known to be for only within marriage and marriage should be honored as a life commitment and affairs were not acceptable. And most people were part of a religious community and they went to church on Sundays and they brought their children up with conservative values. And the family was one of the building blocks of society and men were men and women were women. All these ideals that were based in scripture which society lived by, even if you were not religious, and society fared better. What we're doing now is clearly not better. It's not working. Moving people away from this moral compass and a belief in God and a biblical way of living, we're not happier. In fact, the opposite is true. We've never had higher rates of unhappiness dissatisfaction, loneliness, and the list could go on and on. So that's my first reason is that historically religion has always proven to be better for a society, creates better societies. And that, by the way, also has to do with the Ten Commandments. Dennis Prager does an amazing podcast on that. Number two, religion gives us a clear benchmark of good and evil. That's the second reason why we all need religion in our lives, because it gives us a benchmark of good and evil. Now, the reason, again, that religion, that this is good for society is because with God in the mix, we're all clear. 
There are boundaries that we all know what good is and we all know what evil is. Knowing good and evil actually provides boundaries and security and it provides um, a template, I guess, on how we should behave. Now, without God, good and evil just simply become people's opinions. And boy, are everyone's opinions different these days. So if you take God out, you take absolute truth out, then then right and wrong and good and bad just become a matter of people's opinions. And what happens is, and we're seeing this a lot, is that the opinion that wins is basically whoever can shout the loudest. You know, according to this group, gender roles are evil, and then that group say gender is a construct, and then... Some say marriage is old, an old-fashioned Western idea and should be deleted, and others say, well, marriage should be kept, but not just for male and female, for anybody, and some say we should judge people according to the color of their skin, and you know, I could go on and on. We could talk about abortion and consent and the patriarchy, but without religion, there is no benchmark, there is no right and wrong, there are just a group of people's opinions that is known as subjective morality. Now, there are some atheists, such as Richard Dawkins, who refuse to acknowledge that without God, there are only opinions about good and evil. His view is that God's not the arbiter of our moral compass of good and evil. He claims that you can have morality without God, but that is just an argument that falls down on some very simple Like if I give you some very simple examples, he is not being intellectually honest because if God is not providing the benchmark of right and wrong, then who or what is providing it? Morality is a knowledge of right and wrong. And if God is not providing it and God is not setting the benchmark, then where do the moral values come from? Well, they must come from humans, from man. But morality cannot be derived from the opinions of the masses. Let me give you some examples. If morality can be derived from the opinions of the masses, then slavery, which used to be practiced by the majority of the world, would have been good and right. Murdering millions of Jews since the majority of the world were were, uh, allowing this to go on and to happen and, and, and so many people were participating, that would have been good and right. Honor killings in certain Muslim practices must be right. So you can see that his argument falls down. There is no morality, no actual good and evil without God. The existence of God gives us boundaries and it makes us more secure. It gives us a benchmark by how we should behave. Reason number three This is a huge one for young people. Religion lowers the risk of mental health problems. Yes, how crazy amazing is this? Religion lowers the risk of mental health problems. So there was a study done in 2018 of Harvard because of this declining interest in God and religion, and they studied 5,000 people on how being raised in a family with religious beliefs affected their mental health of the children and the teens. And the study found that those who attended a religious service at least once a week score higher in psychological well-being measurements and lowers the risk of mental illness. 
the trend away from attending or being involved in a religious community is actually not a good trend. The belief in nothing is a rich fertilizer for anxiety and depression. In contrast, a belief in God, a a guardian who loves us, is actually an invaluable source of support and comfort. The hopeful narrative of God and heaven helps young people with fear. This belief helps our young people to cope with the realities that they're faced with, such as pandemics and climate alarmism. It is far better for them to believe there is a God who cares about them than the bleak idea that there is no God, no future, and no hope. Okay, number four, religion brings meaning to people's lives. Anyone in a religious community would be able to tell you this. Those that are in religious communities have much higher rates of volunteerism. And when we volunteer and we're involved, it gives us a sense of meaning and purpose. Those who attend a religious service at least once a week have higher rates of volunteerism. Now, this also lowers the probabilities of drug use and and getting involved sexually at an earlier age. You know, another thing, I was reading, I think I've told you guys about this before, but I've read this, um, a series of books by Judith Wallerstein, who is a psychologist who started her project wanting to prove that divorce didn't, um, wasn't harmful to children. And as she started collecting her data, and she's done the biggest, largest longitudinal study that's ever been done on the world from people who are from divorced homes, instead of her proving that it makes to, that children are resilient and it doesn't affect them, she ended up becoming the biggest advocate against divorce. And I've read all of her books. I've got them on my bookshelf. I absolutely love them. She is not a Christian. But over and over again, she says that those that fared better from divorced homes with those that were were involved in a religious community. And I think it's for all of these reasons that we're talking about. One, that you know, it, it definitely lowers their risk of mental health. I'm an example of this. Uh, being in a religious community, it gave me belonging. It gave me friends. It gave me community. It brought meaning to my life. It brought purpose to my life. Um, it definitely lowered, um, because of the comfort that I felt, it lowered my any sense of potential anxiety and depression, which by the way, when I was a child, I was a very anxious child. So I cannot stress enough that even you know, psychologists who are secular psychologists have found that children from divorced homes, for example, fare better when they're part of a religious community. And of course, I would go on to say all young people fare better when they're a part of a community. Number five, the reason that religion is so good for us is it builds character. Involvement in an organized religion is actually the best way to instill gratitude and empathy. Again, probably part of the volunteerism, but it is a great antidote when we when we're brought up in a religious community and we are grateful and we have more empathy for people. Um, partly because of the way that we're taught, but also because we get to practice that in our community. What a great antidote to what is becoming a true pandemic in our society right now, which is uh, entitlement and selfishness, which we know is actually only making our young people more dissatisfied. Being a part of a religious community, believing in God, reading the Bible, 
All of these things help create great character. We also tend to be more disciplined because of the, you know, um, the religious, I guess, disciplines and traditions that we have, like turning up to church, volunteering our time, reading the Bible, praying, all of those kinds of things. And number six, which is a little bit more on what I was saying previously, but number six, the reason that religion is so powerful is it provides community, which is what I was just saying before about people from broken homes. Being a part of a of a church. It makes people's lives so much richer. I saw that again just this week with my friend's daughter's graduation that I was telling you guys about last Wednesday. You know, friends of my kids who don't go to church will often comment on how many friends that they have. Um, There's just this automatic community that helps us get through not only life's tough times, but our good times and then everything in between. So, you know, standing there and, and going to Movie World, which is where my friend's daughter had her uh, her formal, I think just about half our church rocked up to watch her and, and another one of our girls, just, just to watch them rocking up to the formal and walking in. We weren't allowed in, obviously, but just to see everyone coming and loving on young people like that. And honestly, oh, oh, it makes me tear up even now. There were some young people that I watched because after after these two girls had walked in, we just hung around for a little bit longer. And there were some, um, like a couple of boys I saw that just rocked up by themselves, quickly walked down the red carpet, had a photo by themselves. I didn't see anyone cheering them on. And I just, I wanted to cheer for all of them. But, you know, being a part of a church community, it helps us get through life together. Our life is so rich. You know, we've all heard of the TED Talks that say that uh, the greatest key to happiness and longevity in life is being surrounded by other people. Geriatric doctors, if you don't know what they are, they're doctors that work with the elderly. They say that the best antidote for old age and failing health is the love and connection of family and community. When we're a part of a community which church just provides so beautifully, it protects us from the emptiness and the isolation of today's culture. And the lockdown, I think, was a great example of this. So many young people really struggled during the lockdown. But I watched all of the kids who belong to youth ministries right around the country who were still constantly connected as much as they could be and were being checked in on by youth pastors and and youth leaders and they Zoomed in together every week. And what church does, what religious communities do is it provides real friends, not virtual ones. So let me just go over those six uh, reasons again before I finish off um, with one more point. So why do I believe wholeheartedly that religion is good for everyone? Why has it been proven that religion is good for society and for people, whether they believe in God or not? Number one, religion historically has proven to be good for society. Society thrives better when it's based on religious values. Number two, religion gives us a clear benchmark of good and evil. It cannot come from human beings because humans only have opinions. But religion and the belief in God being the base of our morality just makes us do so much better in life and in society. Number three, religion lowers the risk of mental health problems. And there are a lot of studies to prove that. 
And I think if that was the only reason, then it's worth making sure that our young people have an opportunity to be a part of a um, of a of a religious community. Number four, religion brings meaning and purpose to our lives. Number five, it builds incredible character and is a great antidote to. Uh, entitlement and selfishness. And number six, it provides community and it just makes our lives so much richer. So if religion has that many benefits, then I would argue, what right does any adult have to stop any young person from being given the opportunity to engage in religion? I think also freedom of choice comes into this. It should be extended to all. If young people don't get an opportunity to hear the gospel, then how else will they be able to make a free and informed choice about whether they do or don't want to live a life that's centered around God and that is a part of a religious community? So I think everybody needs to have that opportunity to hear. I always find it really hypocritical when people say that we are brainwashing young people when we present them with the gospel. Like, how can people say that if they are for freedom of choice? How else will they be able to choose for themselves unless they're presented with the option of God? So I say that those who do not want their young people to hear a message of the gospel, they're the ones being hypocritical when they say that we are proselytizing. It is actually every young person's right to hear both sides and to choose for themselves. And I know I said this before in my parenting podcast, but I've heard people say that it's harmful to be bringing children up and it's brainwashing them to be bringing them up in a religious home because you're forcing your ideals and your ideology on your children. A hundred percent, because guess what? So are they. However you raise your children with a belief in God, or without a belief in God, we're all putting our ideologies and our values into our children. That's what it means to be a parent. But children, um, and this is what I find hypocritical, it's like, why, why is it that I'm brainwashing? Why isn't that you're also not brainwashing by trying to tell them that there's not a God or that we don't believe in religion or we don't go to church? So I think every young person, no, I think I'm, I'm convinced every young person knowing the benefits, knowing that it provides community, knowing that it gives them hope, knowing that it gives them purpose, knowing that it lowers their risk of mental health issues, knowing that it provides a good sense of right and wrong and morals, knowing that it helps their character, that it makes their life richer. Why wouldn't we want everybody? I I know I'm talking about young people, but why wouldn't we want absolutely everybody to have an opportunity to listen to the gospel message of Jesus and to, to have the invitation extended to be a part of a church community? So there you go. I hope that's given you a little bit more courage because I know more and more people, you know, want to hide the fact that they're Christian or not really hide it, but it's just not something that you may be, you know, really proud about other people knowing. Whereas I'm like, no, I'm super proud of this. I know that, you know, I've worked with young people for decades and I know that what the world is offering young people right now is not working taking away 
truth, taking away that which comforts them, taking away that which actually brings them hope. And the alternatives that I see the world giving, I don't see much hope happening. What I'm seeing is a lot of confusion, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of insecurity, a lack of identity. Um, and I just see a, a young generation that have are scoring way higher on mental health issues than any generation that has ever gone before them. And if we can do something about that, then I say that we have a responsibility too. So there you go. I hope that's helped. Tuck away those six uh, points, listen again, jot them down. And, um, and next time someone challenges you, then you've got a few things that you can chat with them about back the other way. Anyway, I hope that's helped you guys. Um, I will let you know next week how Wonderworld went, which is our big event. But if you're listening and it's before September the 3rd and you're not catching up on podcasts and it's later, we are all meeting at the Kingston Butter Factory, um, which, yes, it did used to be a butter factory. It's a gorgeous place. It's a really good venue. Um, We've got um, amazing guest artists coming. We've got the Youth Alive Band. We're definitely going to be lifting up the name of Jesus, but we also have got rides and heaps of food trucks and just so much. So make sure that you come along um, and yeah, can't wait to see you. And if you see me, come say hi. Love you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.